Well, it is a joy and a privilege to be back here at Hope Church. And uh, sorry, Rob's off goofing off, you know. He gets a sabbatical, I didn't. <laughs> but uh, it is a privilege to be able to bring the Word of God to you. You've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew, and tonight we are going to be in the middle of the 14th chapter. And so let's bow our heads and ask the Lord's blessing, and then we will read the passage. Heavenly Father, what a joy and a privilege to be able to lift up our voices to you, the great God of heaven and earth, to be able to gather here tonight. And now we ask, Lord, that you will indeed, through the power of your Spirit, speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us. And Lord, conform us a little bit more into the image of Christ. There are any of those that do not know the truth of the gospel, may they see it in these words, in this text. We pray all these things for your son's glory and honor. Amen. Our passage tonight is uh, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be starting at verse 13. And so hear the word of the Lord as inspired and passed down to us. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed the sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Now Matthew's a wonderful gospel and one of the focuses that Matthew uses, and I would imagine you have been exposed to as you've been walking through this gospel, is the reality that Jesus ushers in God's kingdom. Matthew is all about showing us God's kingdom, how that is coming. And if you think back, uh, when you were in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, you dealt with the Sermon on the Mount. Those are kingdom words. There's kingdom language to get people thinking about God's kingdom. Uh, then you'll see in chapters 8 through 10, you saw that many of the works of the kingdom were demonstrated by Jesus. And then as we turn to chapters 11 through 13, you began to see the nature of God's kingdom. And if you will, the disciples are sort of stepping back and going, there's something different about this guy. There's something different about the way he works and he functions. And so as we come to the 14th chapter, we see that Jesus has continued to minister and preach the gospel. If you harmonize the gospels and you look among them, you will see that Jesus has sent out the disciples. 
They have sent out with the good news of the gospel. They have seen spirits cast out. They have been invigorated, if you will. And in fact, if you read in Mark's gospel, you'll see that that immediately precedes this. Now, in Matthew's gospel, and Mark mentions it, but very shortly, you'll see what you saw last week. John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Because Herod had taken notice of the impact of Jesus' gospel ministry within the surrounding community. And remember, Herod was not too excited about John the Baptist because he called him out on the sin problem he had with his sister and that little issue. And so he ended up having John beheaded, and now Herod is going, whoa, John the Baptist is back from the dead. That's who Herod believes Jesus is. And so Mark makes much more of that, and basically as they deal with the grief of that, as they come off this great high of preaching and the disciples themselves going out and doing gospel ministry, we find that they now take a rest. Matthew alludes to that. You'll notice if you back up to verse 12 there, the disciples came, took John's body, buried it, and they went and told Jesus. And notice Matthew. And it's funny because Mark is the gospel that's sort of like right through. He abbreviates everything. But in this case, Mark expands this text and Matthew condenses the text. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me. And you'll see Matthew makes this one sentence in verse 13. And Mark expands it to three sentences. And we get a lot more info, and more importantly, I think we get a, an important thing that I want you to grasp tonight. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. You hear the similarities. Matthew has said they went away in the boat and then the crowds followed them. But Mark has given a little bit more in that basically Jesus has turned to his disciples and said, guys, y'all have done really good. Time, we're going to take a time out. We're going to go have a retreat by the lake. We're going to chill out. And the disciples are like, yeah. Got some me time coming. And Mark gives us a real picture into the exhaustion of ministry. Now, you may find that. Uh, you know, we're in summertime where things chill out and slow down. But as things begin to gear back up and we get into the programs and the, the ministries of the church and that, you may find yourself going, oh, I'm tired. Oh. You know, earlier I spoke to the staff at Hope Church and how they, faithfully every week they're here ministering and serving, but hopefully faithfully every week you're outreaching to your neighbors and your friends, your co-workers with the good news of the gospel. And so it's easy to get exhausted. And so you can imagine, at least I can, the excitement of the disciples when Jesus says, we're going to get a rest. I find in ministry, it's always funny. It's like, okay, dear, we're going to take a date night. And about an hour before date night, somebody ends up in the hospital. Or take your pick. It happens. And, and you find that in the home, parents, you're going, okay, we've been working with the kids, we've been sending them to school, we've been doing all of this, and then, okay, 
we get some mommy-daddy time. We get some me time, whatever. And you know what happens. Kid suddenly starts throwing up. They, you know, get to trots, whatever. And, and life changes. And it's like, really? This was going to be me time. And I think what Matthew is showing us here that Mark has done so well, verse 13 when they get away and they get to this retreat, the crowds show up. You see how Matthew puts it? When the crowds heard of it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Well, Jesus, we had this retreat plan. Just send them away. But what did Jesus do? Look at the last part of verse 14. And Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. Seriously, dude? We got some rest time, and you're going to do what, Jesus? We did all that last week. We went out, and we preached, and we did the gospel thing. We worked really, really hard. We get some off time. And see, you can imagine, or if you can't, you're just not a human. You're weird. You can imagine the letdown that is happening in these disciples' mind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, Jesus. You said we were going to get a wet rest time. And now here you are healing the sick and ministering to them and encouraging them. And it's like, we're tired. Here's some things I want you to walk away from this. When Christ calls you to ministry, and yes, if you are a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in ministry. Do not believe it's just Derek or Rob or, you know, the staff here. If you have that idea, you've got it wrong. When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in ministry, and ministry is hard to schedule. It's just like being a parent. Parenting is hard to schedule. It does not go on a clock or a calendar. Oh, we'd like ministry to be that way. Okay, I'm going to have my kids up till 8 o'clock, I'm putting them to bed, and then it's me time. Doesn't work that way. Or maybe you have small group, fellowship group, and someone gets hurt, and you got to step in, and it's like, yeah, but we had this planned. No, that's when ministry begins. And so, what I think Matthew is showing us, what Mark has been showing us about this feeding of the 5,000, is this was, yeah, it's some cool stuff he does about multiplying breads and fishes, but this is more about what's the kingdom about. Because that's been Matthew's goal all through this gospel is to show us the kingdom of God and what that looks like. And so the first lesson we need to realize is ministry is indeed hard to schedule. And ministry will always be on God's perfect timing, not your timing. It will be on His perfect timing. And secondly, when these things change and things get different, you need to realize that where you put your eyes makes all the difference. Because if you put your eyes on yourself, you're probably going to be in sin. Because the kingdom of God is not about you. It's about the creator, the God of the universe. Now, you get some really good benefits, okay? Don't mishear me. But Jesus comes that you might participate in his kingdom. Jesus didn't come that he might make your kingdom work better. And that's a key lesson to realize. Because what happens as us, as human beings, as sinners, is we are always worried about our wants, our needs, 
our feelings. I mean, come on, what are the three favorite people you meet in the mirror every morning? Me, myself, and I, right? That's the nature of human beings. You're not weird or abnormal, you're just human. And so we get self-focused and we need to realize that in God's economy, that can be dangerous. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I'd like a rest or I'd like to chill. But don't make that your idol. It's a good desire and it's a right desire. But when we elevate it to a demand, we can quickly fall into sin. And so how often when ministry changes do I find myself seeking a holy way out? That's what the disciples did here. Look at verse 15. When it was evening... Okay, we did this all day long. We put up with Jesus and his thing of ministering to the crowds. Read between the lines. What do you see here? The disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away. You hear it? Get rid of them. It's us time. We can sit around the campfire and just finish off the rest of the fish here and enjoy them tonight, Jesus. It's just us. I think, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but when I look at Mark's gospel and I look at Matthew's gospel, it was about that time that they wanted. How often are we like the disciples? We see Jesus is all about making our little kingdom exactly what we want. Oh, I did this and I worked hard on this and, you know, I shared the gospel with three people at work today and can you believe it? The finances aren't working out the way I think they should. And we fall into the name it and claim it mentality. That's not how his kingdom works. And we begin to doubt the goodness of our God. And we wonder, well, I've done all this and, 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 and I'm not getting this? Wrong economy, wrong kingdom. You are in the wrong book, if that's your thinking. And so often we go, where's my peace? Where's my comfort? Where's my rest? I'm so tired. Where's, where's this promised strength? I can't do this. I can't keep going. I, I, ah, okay, we have a problem here, don't we? I, I, I. This is Jesus' kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And so I would submit to you, these are some of the struggles and the problems that these disciples were having at this point. They tended to think of Jesus as very predictable. And if you've read the Gospels more than once, Jesus is not predictable. He does what they don't expect. And that's what I think Matthew's Gospel is all about, is showing us the kingdom of God is totally a different economy than you or I can even grasp. But it's a good kingdom that he has, and we need to come to God on his terms, not ours. And I think one of the things Matthew is showing us right here is the compassion of Jesus, his grace, his mercy. And unfortunately, doesn't go very deep into the disciples' heart. Just tune in next week. They have a little problem in a boat that's a little rocky and stormy. And they fail to trust Jesus once again. They're, they're slow to learn like you and me. That's what's happening. And here is one of those times where they should have learned by now that God's kingdom is different. Jesus has sent them on a different agenda and a different goal. And the gospel is the message. Ministering to people is the message. And that's where they can find their peace and comfort. 
But what are the disciples doing? It's nighttime. Send them away. They can go find something to eat. And you got to imagine how they took Jesus' response. Do you see it there? Verse 16. I love these words. I would love to know the tone of voice. They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Whoa, come on, Jesus. You're not serious here, are you? Now, Matthew records for you, they had five loaves and two fishes. But if you go to Mark's account, he gives you a little bit more. In order to find out they had five loaves and two fishes, what did they have to do? They apparently had to go do some more work. There's 5,000 men there, plus women and children. That's a big gathering. And in Mark's account, you can see it there, uh, Mark uh, 6, 37. And they said to Jesus, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? They know they don't have much. And so they're like, oh, you said to feed them. Well, we could do that. We've got money. We could go do that. But that's going to be a lot. And they've got to be thinking in their mind, whoa, what is going on here? Jesus must be crazy. Think about what you just asked us to do, Jesus. You said feed them. We do not have the capability to feed them. And so that's why... When they respond, you see it there in verse 17, we have only five loaves here and two fish. We got 5,000 people. And we've got five loaves of Wonder Bread. Do you see Jesus' response in verse 18? Bring those things here to me. It's... Jesus is not upset. He's not dismayed. I can imagine what's going through the mind of those disciples. Now think about yourself for a moment. When you come across those times when you feel inadequate, when you feel tired, when you feel weary, when you feel like you don't have enough resources. You ever had that happen? Maybe this week? The question is, is are you looking at it in terms of the kingdom of God, the gospel kingdom as it relates to your life, or are you looking at the practical things like the disciples were? That's really the reality here. And Jesus is being shown forth by Matthew in this gospel. Jesus is the provider. And I love, he's not upset or sarcastic. I mean, come on, if I were Jesus there, oh boy. The tone of voice back to those boys... It would not have been pretty. You would have been you too, right? But it wasn't. He's not upset or dismayed. He just simply says, okay, they're not getting it. It's over their heads. They still haven't understood who I am and what the kingdom is about. So look at verse 19. He orders the crowds to sit down. He takes the five loaves and two fish. He looks up into heaven, says a blessing. And then he breaks the loaves and he continues to just keep handing them out. And the disciples keep just taking baskets of food out to these 5,000 people. And then they're all done and they've got to be going, we've got 12 baskets left over. <laughs> now, put yourself in their shoes for a moment. <laughs> they have just gone through a crisis of absolutely five loaves and two fish and now suddenly they're collecting 12 baskets. 
Are we going to get the fact that Jesus, this guy that is here, he really is the son of God. He's the provider. He's the one that they have just witnessed the glorious picture of what God does in their lives, in our lives, through the gospel. Now they saw it tangibly through food, but that's what the gospel does for us. Think about what happens to too many of us when we begin to think religious. There might be certain churches in this community that stress, you got to be good. You better get involved and you better be here on Wednesday night and, oh, that Monday morning and I saw, I think you had a Thursday morning prayer. That's for the holy ones. Y'all want to get a few extra brownie points? You make sure you're here. You think God's up there going... How'd you do? How many things did you get checked off? No, he's not. That's not the gospel. That's not gospel-based ministry. It's depending and looking to the Savior that God has provided. And the disciples got to see God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, there making an abundant provision for those who are in need. When he is tired and weary, and yes, Jesus did get tired and weary, how many times do you read through the gospel? They get in the boat, they're going off. Oh yeah, next week. And who falls asleep? The dude is humanly tired. But praise God, he is the God-man. And that's what happens in our life. And what happens at that moment? We believe the lies of the enemy. We believe the lies of the evil one. We believe our own wicked lies in our own heart and go, I'm tired, just send them away. I've done enough. I've got my check boxes checked. Eh, wrong answer. That's not gospel ministry. And what we need to do is grab a hold of a change in perspective. Grab a hold of a gospel economy. Because the gospel that Matthew is showing us in this book is the gospel changes everything. God's kingdom changes everything. You move from your kingdom to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And there's no admission fee. It's not do this and do that and, or do this. It's trust He did it for you. His record becomes your record by faith alone. Oh, this is good. This is good stuff, the gospel. My God has a love far greater for me than I can ever fathom. And Jesus Christ in the flesh is the demonstration of that. Jesus has a specific compassion and a care for your life. And so when you're whiny and gripey and hangry like the disciples were, y'all get that way. I'll just ask your spouse. They'll tell me about it. When you get that way, remember, it's not about your kingdom. It's about the gospel kingdom. And how does the gospel relate to what I'm feeling and experiencing right now? You see, Jesus came to make you a part of his kingdom. Notice what I didn't say there. Jesus did not come to make your kingdom complete. That's a problem with a lot of American Christianity. It's hogwash. It smells of smoke. <laughs> it's dangerous. No, Jesus came to make us a part of his kingdom. That's what the Gospel of Matthew is about. 
He didn't come to build your kingdom and make you comfortable and happy and all of these wonderful things. You're going to get joy and peace as you fit into His kingdom and you trust what Christ has done for you. But the neat part of the gospel kingdom is He makes you a part of His kingdom by His work. You get it by faith. And you can now rest in the fact that He has redeemed you. He has done everything you ever need to do to satisfy the wrath of God. Amazing. Remember Jesus in the garden. What was His prayer? Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But what do we know? Well, the prophet, the prophets of old, they said, He drinks the cup drinks the dregs. Every bit of God's wrath for our sin, for our offenses against God, Jesus drank it at the cross. Ain't no room left for God's wrath for you if you have faith in Him. And now you get His righteousness, His holiness. And so let's make this real when it comes to -to day-to-day kingdom functioning. When you realize the gospel, that I'm accepted because of what Christ has done, and now I get to serve Him. Realize, physical work doesn't make you spiritually weary. It's amazing. Have you ever done a VBS or a kids camp or something like that? And people are like, oh, I'm just so exhausted. No, you're physically exhausted. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But you're not spiritually exhausted. What makes us weary is when we get weary in heart. We forget what Christ has done for us through the cross. People do not burn out because of physical exhaustion. People burn out when we think we have to do it. And forget, when it comes to your acceptance by God Almighty, the judge of the earth, Who did it? Do you do it or does Jesus? And that's the beauty of the gospel. He did 100% of what's required. He accepted the wrath for God's sin, for our sin. And then he gives us his righteousness. And so what Matthew, I think, is showing us in this scene is what happens when we put the gospel into perspective. Thousands are fed with nothing. And it's interesting, when you look at Matthew and Mark's presentation of the feeding of 5,000, because this is included in several of the Gospels, it differs heavily from John. If you go read John's account in John chapter 6, you're going to see that John focuses on the miracle, the actual ability of Jesus to multiply food. And then he focuses on how the people responded. They wanted to make him king. And Jesus is like, not time. I'm going to become king by my work on the behalf of sinners, going to the cross, being buried, and raised again on the third day. You see, each has a different editorial bent. But what Matthew, I think, is showing to you and I tonight is these disciples were not getting what Jesus was doing. They didn't understand what the gospel kingdom means. And so here's the question for you. How often do you look at your circumstances? How do you look at the demands on your time and all of these and you just become, send them away, please. I I can't do this. I don't have this. Instead of going, okay, Lord, 
here's where you put me. That's really the heart of the gospel, is just looking and saying, Lord, I don't understand. Good. Remember the man when his daughter was sick, and he says, if you are able, Jesus, <laughs> and I love the response, if I'm able? Well, help me in my unbelief, Jesus. That's a great prayer for you and me. When you're struggling, just go, Lord, I don't get it, but help me in my unbelief right now. Help me understand the gospel. Paul Tripp, he's a biblical counselor. I love some of his books. And he talks about how the reality of the gospel becomes real within our lives. And, and what he does is he gives us an equation that I think is really helpful. Divine power, that's what God does through Jesus Christ. Plus, divine compassion equals everything you need in life. See, our problem is, is we go, oh, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this. No, realize the gospel. What does God ask you to do? Rest in his completed work. End of discussion. And then realize compassion. Well, I don't have compassion. I'm not a compassionate person. Be like the Father. Help me in my unbelief, Lord. I'm here. I don't feel like it, honestly. But help me, Lord. And you'll be amazed what happens. You know, one of the things I hate or love about ministry sometimes is, you know, it's like pastors. We're expected to be like at every meeting, right? Prayer meeting and this meeting and this. And you know what? We sometimes get tired. And there have been times where I'm like, oh, I just can't go tonight. I can't go see so-and-so. And you do it anyhow. And I'm like the guy in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Time to make the donuts. I'm going to see Aunt Ethel. Go love her with Jesus. That's my heart, okay? And then I walk home from that visit, and I'm walking on water. Why? Because of that equation. Divine power, God's divine power plus divine compassion means everything I need in life. That's how gospel empowers us to do the work of ministry. And so think deeply about Jesus Christ as your Savior, what that means in your day-to-day -day life, your life as a mama, you know, the, the job that never ends. It's like that song. It just keeps going on and on and on. And we get tired, we get weary. But remember, that's a gospel ministry. And so we need to apply that. And so think deeply about Jesus Christ as your Savior, what He came to do, and that is to redeem you so that you might be a part of His kingdom, not yours. Back up in the book of Matthew. You covered this a couple weeks ago. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Do you remember Jesus' words there? Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When we look at Jesus through the power of the gospel, ministry is not difficult. When we look at through ministry through our own power, it's impossible. So as you go about this week, remember who you are in Christ because of what he has done by laying down his life. 
by being buried and raised again for you. You are now accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing truth, the reality that you would love sinners like us, and even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Father. Help us as believers walk in the power of the gospel. Help us to be able to walk remembering that we are part of your kingdom, and you redeemed us that we might serve you and walk in your power. We pray all these things in your Son's glorious and precious name. Amen.